Hi, I'm Dina Farrell, and this is the Prioritize Focus podcast. This is where you'll get encouragement, whether you are a time management flunky, a serial goal getter, or distracted by SOS, that's shiny object syndrome. This is for the entrepreneurial woman who may have forgotten what a valued, amazing lady she is. Val, that's you. This is your reminder that the world needs that God-given dream that you've been harboring in your heart. And it's time to make it a reality while living and dealing with your actual reality. If you're ready, let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today we're going to talk about um, decision making and specifically identify how to become a more powerful decision maker. You know, once you're able to get some clarity on who you were made to be beyond titles, labels, and your history, you become a powerful decision maker. And who doesn't want that? You know, we're all well aware of the time, energy, and focus wasted or misused by the quality or lack of our decision-making. Yet, what do we actively do about it? Stressing, overthinking, learning, aka informational hoarding, raises our hand. Yeah, we got all that stuff covered. So, what's a girl to do? Well, check out this fun fact that I, I found. So y'all know that I am a word nerd, specifically um, the origins of words and, you know, where we get our English words from. So this is one of those. And the, the word is diagnosis. So the original Greek word diagnosis, the meaning is a distinguishing, a determination. Now, the usage for this would be a judicial examination, a decision, or an act of discernment, okay? So that is the original um, Greek word for diagnosis. That's what it means. Our English word diagnosis, if you were to look it up, the definition would be the act of identifying a disease, illness, or problem by examining someone or something. Hmm. So herein lies the problem and the solution. Huh. I don't know about you, but did you catch the difference between the original and our current meanings of this word diagnosis? Most of us are busy looking for a diagnosis of what's wrong, even though we're not quite sure what that is exactly. We do know that we want someone to provide us with answers. Now, listen, we can call it an escape, an excuse, or exemplifying who or what we want to take responsibility, but there's some type of diagnosis that we seek. We end up asking ourselves things like, why am I here when I really want to be, you know, there? Or people say that I'm this, but eh, I'm not sure I want to be, or am I, or do I, or I really think that I'm that, but I have no idea how to live it out. Can someone please help, AKA, can someone diagnose what the issue is? First off, we have to ask what work or effort have we put into changing our location, meaning our, you know, from here to there. 
And for the record, whose timetable are you on? You know, when people say, oh, well, you know, you should be here, or you should be doing this, or um, when it comes to sometimes people putting me on a timetable, I have to remind myself of Isaiah 55 verses eight and nine. And um, I will put that in the show notes. And if you read the blog version of this, I have a graphic for this. Um, and I really like the um, the Living Bible translation of this verse or this passage. And the Living Bible translation reads, this plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. In other words, whatever it is that we think we're planning or other people tell us we should plan, God's got it. God's got the plan in a way that we wouldn't think of, that we wouldn't have, you know, tried or sought out. And it's because his ways are always higher than ours and his thoughts are higher than ours, um, but always for us, which is cool. So people can say whatever they want, but any of the labels or timeframes that they put on you can only stick if you let them. See, we want someone to come along and give us a diagnosis, identify our disease or problem, but really it's about us making a decision. And if you don't think that decision-making is important, keep listening. We're gonna dive right into what it takes to become a better decision-maker. So why are decisions so important? They're important because they provide direction. Yes or no gives you a place to go. Maybe doesn't do anything for you. What if doesn't really do much? So what happens when you want something to change? You make a decision. Either you decide to do something about it or you ignore that desire and nothing changes. Both are decisions. Decision to do something or decision to do nothing. They're both decisions. So the same is true about deciding to find out and own who God made us to be. See, when we finally get tired of wearing the labels given to us or handed to us or the ones that we allow to stick on us, and we're ready to quit carrying the titles or histories that weigh us down, that's exactly when a decision needs to be made. Will you seek to find out who you really are and were made to be? Will you decide to believe who God says you are and trust him for the direction? If you decide to follow the answer to those questions, you'll find yourself getting clear on the direction you need to go next. And that's the key. Next, just begin one step at a time. You know that saying, Martin Luther King Jr., um, you know, uh, faith is taking the next step even when you can't see the whole staircase. And that's exactly what this is. You have to make the decision. You have to take the step. Even if you don't know where right now, you'll at least know or have a better picture of who you need to be in order to get there. Uh, ponder that last statement for a second. Who you need to be in order to get there. 
we skip over that part pretty quickly and easily because, you know, have you ever given much thought of who you need to be? Ask yourself, am I who I need to be in order to handle what it is that I say I want? And the follow-up question to that would be, am I who I need to be in order to handle what's been entrusted to me? We've talked about this before in um, other um, episodes and even blog posts. And I have a whole page, What Steals Your Focus. And one of them is about stealing the focus of your assignment. You know, God has given each of us an assignment. So who do you need to be in order to handle what's been entrusted to you? And lastly, this uh, perseverance barometer, I guess we'll call it. Ask yourself, am I who I need to be to handle the obstacles and oppositions that I know is coming? See, here's the thing. We want to avoid obstacles. We want to avoid opposition. Especially what baffles me is as believers, we were never <laughs> promised um, a clear path. We were just promised a lighted path. We're told that it's narrow. We're told that it's not easy. We're told that trials and tribulations will come. But we're promised that no matter what, he's with us and he will walk us through it. Not over it, not around it, not avoid it, but through it. I think that is so important for us to understand in knowing that, yes, there will be obstacles, there will be oppositions, but how we handle it is all the difference knowing that it's coming, you know, it's like, um, knowing that there's a snowstorm coming, but yet you walk out in flip-flops and shorts. How smart is that? No, you're going to put your boots and your coat on. The same thing is true for us with obstacles and and opposition. You know, the word tells us that it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be unavoidable, but there are ways that you can prepare armor up. Um, see the episode on, um, slaying, um, self-doubt there. I have a whole thing in there about armoring up, but back to being better decision makers, you know, we get so caught up in the to do's of our lives that we often forget to put importance on what we really are or who we really are at our core. And if we are not clear on that or get clear on that, it will be evident in how we pursue our dreams, our goals, and even our everyday plans. If I show up and decide, you know, who I am, I'm unworthy, I'm um, not capable, I'm not smart enough, you know, the whole imposter syndrome, then that's exactly how my day is going to plan out. Do you think I'm going to get closer to my dreams or further? Do you think I'm going to achieve today's goals or not really? You know, another issue that we have is fitting in. We need to stop trying to fit in. And if nothing else today, take some time to ponder this very big question. Who are you? 
And that's getting to the core of you. And I talk about this. This is kind of my soapbox. This is my platform. This is, you know, one of the first things that I am proud that I get to do with my clients. And it's one of the first things we do is help them define their core values. See, we dig past those, you know, quote unquote, normal and common ones to reflect the ones that who they were really created to be. And listen, it's not always easy or comfortable. And let's be honest, getting gut honest with yourself never really is. But it is so worth the process. As a matter of fact, um, if you've been to my website and you've downloaded my free guide with the three essentials for prioritized focus, you will recognize that this is part of the process. It's actually step one. Now, it's a mini version of getting to the core values, um, identifying your core values. But um, it is by far my top go-to in order to get to the bottom of what really matters. Not only for those that I work with, but for me as well. It's very important um, to revisit your core values and you know really identify who you really are at your core. Now, listen, do we have similar ones? Do we have... Yes. Um, and I don't want to get too far off in the tangent because I've talked about this before too, but we do have shared identities, let's say. Um, to give you an example of this, in my Bible, I have a list of words that remind me of who I am in Christ. This list helps me when the days get too hard, in times when I feel unseen, unheard, or even unloved. When others try to tell me who they think I should be or work on trying to be, the times when I find myself losing steam or any sliver of courage, this list reminds me of the truth. My identity is because of Jesus and the decision he made for me, for you, and for us. Now, I'm just going to rattle this list off, but you can find it specifically in Ephesians chapter 1. And this is kind of like a, a compiled list from verses 3 through 14. And it's talking about who we are in Christ. And I know for some that might be um, a Christian jargon or a word that, you know, like I hear that all the time. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means that when you accept what Jesus did on the cross for us, his sacrifice for us and his place for us, this isn't a guilt trip. This isn't, um, you know, look what he did for you. So you know, you need to step up and do better or whatever. We, we have to look at it for, yes, that's part of it. And you need to understand that. That's what makes him worthy of being our Lord and Savior. But the Savior part is um, bringing us back to, oh, how can I explain this as simply as I possibly can? Um, so in the garden, Adam and Eve, sinned. They were the, the first sinners. And we like to get caught up and wrapped up that it's about, you know, they ate from the, the tree, you know, and they disobeyed God and he had to punish them. Yeah, that's part of it. But what the deeper part of it is, is, is by them um, being deceived by the devil and saying, you know, they're going to be like God in that um, they'll know the difference between good and evil. 
see, you have to understand Adam and Eve lived in relationship with God. There were no boundaries. There were no in-betweens. There were no, um, they walked in the garden with God. They talked to him. They were a part of, you know, being with him day in and day out. The moment that they were deceived and believed, you know, the enemy like, eh, well, you could be more like God and planted that seed of doubt that they weren't enough and they fell for it. There was separation. Now there was separation. Now that like, if you read the old Testament there, you know, there were sacrifices that need to be made. Um, and again, I'll sin simply means to miss the mark. Sin is not who you were designed or created to be. So insert Jesus and his sacrifice. That sacrifice was to end that separation between us and God. Now we have direct access to him if we accept what Jesus did in our place. Jesus basically restored us to be able to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. He, he, um, I don't know, I'm going to keep using that word restored. Um, and I know that there are people listening that are probably, you know, maybe freaking out right now and saying, oh, you know, her theology is so off. And yeah, I could dig into a lot more, but I just want you to get the gist of this. I'm not looking for debate or division or anything like that. I want a most basic understanding um, and to just release people from this guilt and making it more than what it is. And there's so much legalism and um, just know that um, Jesus decision to take on the sin of the world, the, the missed identities, the missed mark, the missed who they were created to be and restore that relationship and put us in a position to be able to be who we were meant to be. So all that to preface this, who I am in Christ from Ephesians 1 verses 3 through 14, it tells us that we are blessed. We are chosen. We are holy. We are blameless, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. We are rich in God's grace. We are included we have wisdom and truth and understanding. We are saved. We are Holy Spirit filled. We are guaranteed an inheritance. We belong to God and we are the praise of his glory. Now that's a list that we're not really told very often. We are often pointed to our sin, where we miss the mark, where we're not um, stepping into who we were created to be. So I like to pull out this list and I have a graphic for it. Um, again, if you go to the blog post version, there's a graphic that you can save and keep, um, you know, like a snapshot of these things. And we need to remember these things, you know, and, and like I said, maybe you're thinking I'm getting way too out there for you, or this all sounds too fluffy or not detailed enough, or you just don't think it's practical for everyday real life, your everyday real life. Listen, I understand and I respect wherever you are right now. 
I'm not kidding whenever I say that this is a journey and we're each on different parts of that journey. And it's one that is between you and him. I'm just happy that I can be able to be a small part of it right now. And I pray that any of my content that you either seek out intentionally or you accidentally stumbled upon, that it was helpful in unlocking the answer or encouragement that you needed right where you are. So <clears throat> all of that to you know, drive home this point of becoming a powerful decision maker and how it's wrapped up in your identity, I guess, is what I'm really saying. And once you identify who you really are at your core, the rest comes easier. You know, I'm a wife, a mother of three, a volunteer, a part-time employee, a Jesus lover, an entrepreneur, a reader, a writer, a daughter, sister, friend, and my final years of being a poober driver. That's another word for mom taxi, parent Uber, get it, poober. <laughs> but some of my, let's say, more colorful ones include the fact that I'm a divorced woman. I have more than a few times been a ministry outcast. I am a legalism disruptor. I'm energetic. I love talking. I like to wear trucker hats. I'm a sneakers and jeans kind of girl. I am a curly-haired masterpiece, but I'm partnering with God to make progress on my big dream and goals, the ones that he has assigned to me. Now, listen, that list could go on for miles, as I'm sure the same is true for you, too. And some of those examples that I listed reflect my history. Some are the labels that were put on me by others. Some I own very proudly, some are generic, and others I'm still trying to grow my faith in order to pursue more boldly. My point is, and the encouragement to you in sharing all this, is something that I've discovered years ago, that when you get your identity right, everything else can be figured out. And you will become a much more powerful decision maker. And listen. I'm owning my identity to make better decisions right there with you. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for joining me on today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to share it out, by all means, do that on your social media platforms if you'd like. We can stay connected at dinafarrell.com and where you can see the latest updates, blog posts, subscribe to my e-newsletter, or just kind of see what I'm up to. I'd love to connect with you outside of this podcast. Again, thanks for joining me. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. And I will see you on the next episode.